Good morning, beloved. It is good to see you uh, to be together again to worship our risen King. And so if you're familiar with kind of the, the flow, um, because, you know, it's our third year and all, so we're really getting into the swing of this. But it, we have an annual tradition to where at Christmas time we start one of the Gospels with a birth narrative. And so we kind of run through that much quicker than we typically go through a book of the Bible, um, kind of looking at some areas and things through that Gospel, bringing us to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, but then we actually conclude the series this week, the week following Easter, with Ascension Sunday. And so we do that. We also call it Mission Sunday to just take an annual look at like where are we going in terms of who we are as a missional people moving forward. What has God called us to? And so today we have a unique privilege of hearing from our first church plant that we sent out, Derek and Ray Sekamalira. Um, they are in Kampala, Uganda, still right now in this moment. So I'm very sorry they're not here, uh, but he will be preaching to us via video. So um, I'm excited. If you do not know Derek, I would like to just introduce you to him. Um, Derek was born in Uganda, and he married Ray, who is from the United States, and they spent some time here. The way that I met Derek is, and always will be, very special to me. A mutual friend introduced us while he was stateside, and um, do any of you know the Cuevases? Eddie and Tanya? Yeah, woohoo! That's a very appropriate thing when you hear the Cuevas name. Um, Tanya was leading our B team, was leading our hospitality ministry this morning, um, but Eddie and Tanya have become very dear to us. Actually, the, the day that I met um, Derek, we were in West Orlando, um, we got to meet together, um, share like, what, what is the gospel, like, let's see, do we align on, on what um, we agree is this calling that God has put on our lives and our hearts, um, should this be a partnership, and we met the very week that we planted Beloved Church. Um, the week that we planted Beloved Church, we had our first Sunday gathering, and then I meet this young man from Kampala. He's the same age as me. I call him a young man. So I meet this guy, and, and, and we, we enjoy some time just praying together and just knew, like, with such a certainty, like, this, this is a good partnership. Uh, we're going to be part of this. And so um, we leave there, and he takes an Uber back to where he was staying. Um, his Uber driver happens to be a young man who um, English is one of the languages he speaks, and so he's got a bit of an accent. Derek has this beautiful Ugandan accent that you're going to hear in just a moment. And so the two of them talking, um, Derek wasn't quite registering everything. He's like, he calls me, and he's like, my Uber driver, I think he wants to talk about Jesus. Can you talk to him about Jesus? And so he connects me with Eddie. Next thing you know, my wife and I are having dinner with Eddie and Tanya. The following Sunday, our second Sunday, they were baptized, and now they're deacons serving this church and means so much to all of us. Um, and that started, yes, <laughs> if we celebrate those things. That started with a partnership that was supposed to be a foreign mission. And that, I think, is so key to understanding missions, is it's not just about us saying, like, oh, look what we can do for you, but it's this mutual partnership. For like, what a beautiful blessing that our friendship, our partnership started with him first blessing us, with seeing gospel fruit here in Claremont. Um, and so we love the Second Malirias. Um, since 2019, when we began this partnership, we have collectively given them $40,761.67 to see Cross Fellowship planted in Kampala, Uganda. And that is off of your generosity that we've been able to do that. Um, we've had some pretty key moments, some beautiful moments of just prayerful um, and tearful times of just celebrating their wins and their struggles and, and just kind of coming to God on their behalf, um, but then also in very tangible ways. Um, very, very soon after they moved to Kampala to plant, 
I got a phone call and Derek's voice sounded a little more frantic and, and worried and they had been broken into. Someone had robbed them of basically everything of value just after getting there. Um, but in your generosity, we were able to immediately send them over $1,000, just like, here, get back on your feet. What can we do to help? Um, but I so loved that they turned to us and knew that we would be with them. And um, there have been other moments, uh, Ray's brother passed away unexpectedly, and we were able to say, you know what, come back to the United States on our dime and grieve with your family um, and then get them back home. Um, and then, again, the happier moments of just, um, I remember we let them lead us in worship with a song recording one time as we got to watch them sing and play and just worship the Lord and bring us into that in one of our gatherings. Um, and most recently, um, very exciting news, you may not know, is Ray is pregnant. And so um, they're not here today, but they will hopefully be here soon because later this summer they plan to come back stateside so she can give birth here in the United States. And so we're looking forward to seeing them face to face. But for today... Would you turn your attention to the screen as Derek concludes our series, Going Through the Gospel According to Luke Certainty. Hello, beloved church. Greetings from Kampala, Uganda. My name is Derek Sekamalira. I'm married to Ray, and we serve as missionaries here in Kampala, Uganda, in East Africa. Uh, we are currently leading a young church plant called Cross Fellowship Church, which is a gospel-centered church, and we seek to glorify God by making disciples. We are so thankful for your partnership with us in the gospel. It means so much to us for you to partner with us through your prayers and your giving sacrificially uh, to our ministry. So thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts. So when, uh, when Pastor Kevin reached out to me and asked whether I could speak from God's Word, this church planting Sunday, uh, to you all, I was thrilled because it's a great opportunity and privilege uh, to speak from God's word. So thank you uh, all for uh, allowing me uh, to speak to you. Uh, so I'm speaking from uh, Luke chapter 24 from verse 36 to 53. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, please uh, turn to Luke 24 from verse 36. Before I read God's word, allow me to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much because of your goodness. Thank you because you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Thank you that you raised him from the dead. And we pr I pray that as we read and reflect on your word, that you will speak through me and speak to us for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let me read from Luke 24, from verse 36. It reads, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and, and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? In your hearts, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. 
Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that I everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the sons must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to, to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, you all have been going through the gospel of Luke and you've seen, no doubt, amazing, incredible things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ as Luke writes to give us the certainty of the things that, has been that have been told to us. And here, this particular passage that, we have, that I have read, takes place after the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome the grave. He has been raised from the dead. Indeed, he first appears in the passage before this one to two men who were walking on, on the road, going towards a town called Emmaus, and Jesus comes and appears to them, but they did not immediately recognize him, and they tell him about how broken-hearted they were. And yet Jesus is patient with them and he listens to them yet and later on he reveals himself to them in the breaking of bread and they recognize that it's their savior their master their lord is alive now i want before we get into this passage i want to use i want to speak on three points and they all begins with a piece so the first we are going to see is the proof the proof. And secondly, we will look at the plan. And finally, we will look at the power, the proof, the plan, and the power. Number one, let's look at the proof. Jesus, the Lord, has been raised from the dead. He's alive. And what happens is he appears this time to a group of disciples, to a larger group of disciples that were together. And when he appears to them, we, we are told they were startled and frightened. And because they thought they saw a spirit, they could not believe it was Jesus himself. You know, a lot of people, some who don't believe the gospel accounts, they, some of them have said these disciples were just so eager to believe that Jesus was alive that maybe they made it up. But what we find here is different. The disciples were far from eager. They were actually, they didn't believe the things Jesus had said. Therefore, when he appears to them, they, they immediately don't think, whoa, Jesus is alive. They think, no, this must be a, some sort of spirit. 
a ghost, they are scared. And Jesus knows what's going on in their hearts. He knows they are troubled. Therefore, he says, why? he asks them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? He knows what's going on in their hearts. And so what does he do? He offers them a series of proofs. Oh, he gives them proof. He gives them evidence that he is alive. He gives them evidence that the same Jesus, who they, whom they saw being crucified, killed by Roman, Roman officials, is the same person who has victoriously returned from the grave and is alive. How does he give them this proof? First, he invites them to see. He says, come see my hands, verse 39, and my feet, that it is I myself. Look, you can see that it is I. It is the same, these are the same hands that were crucified. You can look at the holes within my hands and you can see the same in my feet. Not only that, he invites them, he says, Touch me, touch me and see, verse 39, uh, B, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. He invites them, says, come, touch, feel, it is I myself. Jesus gives them proof that he's alive. And this is why they have written, and Luke himself has written, to tell us these things are true. We can have confidence. They saw, and in fact, some of them touched him. John, Luke doesn't tell us this, but John tells us that one of his disciples, Thomas, who was not, who, whom sometimes they call Doubting Thomas, say to Jesus, I won't believe unless I can put my finger within those wounds, within that hole where, we, where, where you were uh, crucified, where the, the nails were drilled. And Jesus invited him to do so. And after Thomas felt Jesus and touched Jesus and clearly put his finger where the nails had passed, fell Thomas believed and he said, my Lord and my God, and worshipped Jesus. They saw and some of them touched the risen Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, Jesus gives them another proof. And this is, he eats, he eats, he says, look, do you have, uh, while, verse 41, while they, was, they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? He gives them a further proof and he, they gave him a, a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Jesus is showing them he's not a, it's not a ghost, he's not a spirit, he's real. His body, the same body that was beaten and crucified and spat on, it's the same body that has now come back to life. It's now transformed. It is much more glorious, but it's the same body of Jesus, the Lord. It is the same body. He's alive. You know, some people like to make the resurrection as if it's some sort of a metaphor, as if it's, it wasn't a historical event that took place. Maybe you've heard of people saying, now during Easter season, let, let Jesus will rise in our hearts, you know, that kind of language. You know, Jesus, the resurrection is almost like just a, like a picture of some, some sort of hope that we can have. 
vague hope that you know things will get somehow better no this is real it took place in history jesus conquered death and like he conquered death we who trust in him can have the assurance that we will conquer death Jesus will raise us from the dead and we will have transformed bodies that will not get sick, that won't get depressed, that won't uh, die anymore. Jesus, our King, is alive and he shows the disciples, gives them proof that we too can have confidence that he's alive. And secondly, Jesus tells them of the plan the plan that there is a plan. Jesus tells the disciples in verse 44, Look, I told you these things beforehand. This thing, these are my words that I spoke to you, verse 44, while I was still with you. In other words, these things that you see coming to pass, I indeed what I told you. And where did and did I just make them up? No, they were in they were in line with the very plan of God from the beginning. Because he goes on to tell them about what is written in the Psalms, in the law of Moses, in the prophets. He says, these things that are written, I told you must be fulfilled. Why? Because they are part of God's plan from the very beginning. You see, God had a plan. It wasn't plan B. It was plan A for the Son of God, the Messiah. The Messiah, God's promised king to rule over the cosmos, he had to come and suffer for our sins. That's what Jesus said. And indeed, it took Jesus to open their minds. He opened their minds, verse 45, to understand the scriptures. It takes God for our minds and our hearts to be open to see the plan of God. But what, is, what does this plan entail? It entails the suffering of the Messiah. The suffering of the Christ. He had to die. Why? He had to die for our sins. Just like the prophets write. Like Isaiah writes in Isaiah 53. That he. Speaking of the Messiah. In Isaiah 53 verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement. That brought us peace. And with his wounds. We are healed. Jesus suffered in our place to take away the wrath of God that we deserved. So that we might be brought true healing, complete healing, spiritual healing. We can become one with God. We who, who had been estranged from God, we are enemies because of our sin. Jesus brings us peace with God. That is why he suffered on that cross to reconcile us with God. But the suffering was known that and he was to be raised from the dead. He had to suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Hallelujah. The king is alive and is now seated at the very right hand of God. He's alive. Saint Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified, has overcome death. He's been raised, showing him to be the victor and the rightful Lord and ruler over the entire cosmos. God has exalted him at the highest place, given him the name that is above every name, 
that every knee should bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. But while the plan doesn't end there, sometimes we behave as if the plan ends there. Hallelujah, Jesus died for my sins. He rose that I may be justified. That is such good news for me. But the plan doesn't end there. Jesus says the plan continues. Why did he rise? This is the plan, even in the Old Testament. That, verse 47, repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. The reason Jesus rose from the dead and the plan is to continue is that the, the good news, that which includes repentance for the forgiveness of sins for all nations. This is good news and you and I, brother and sister, are caught up in this wonderful plan. We may have many plans for ourselves. We may have a plan to make sure our, our kids go, go to the best schools. We may have a plan to make sure we get uh, a really nice home. We may have a plan to make sure that we pay off all our debt. And those are good things and they might be good things but we might be distracted by those plans as if they are the ultimate plan. But this is the plan of God and you and I are caught up in it. We have the privilege to participate in this amazing plan. Jesus said in, 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 in John 8 that Abraham uh, rejoiced to see his day. And indeed when he saw it, he rejoiced. Now if Abraham the, 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 the patriarch rejoiced to see the day of Jesus. And when he saw it, he rejoiced. How much more would, how, how, do, you, how, how do you feel Abraham would have felt to be on this side of history? To be one to bear the message of repentance of, for the forgiveness of sins for all. I'm sure he would be more than thrilled. But you and I have this privilege now. Today we have the opportunity to be those who are witnesses of Jesus, to proclaim the message of repentance, to be part of God's plan. But sometimes how do we respond? We may respond with um, an attitude of not caring enough. We are distracted by many things. Or we may think, you know, people don't need this good news. But you see, this is the only news, this is the only message that has the, the capacity and the, gives people the opportunity to beat death forever. Through repentance, which means turning away from sin, turning away from, uh, uh, from a wrong way of thinking about God and about ourselves and embracing Christ. People can live forever. And you and I have the amazing privilege to be the bearers of that message, to be used by God to see people living forever. So whatever plans we may have, yeah, the Lord can allow us to, in, to, to, to fulfill them and to, to, to do them. But do we see how this plan of the Lord indeed embraces everything so that even as I go about my work at my workplace, I want to do well, but I realize that I'm on mission for Jesus, that I'm there as well to speak 
about Christ. That as I raise my children, I make sure that they understand that they are sinners who need forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. That as I go about school, I, re I make sure that I, 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 I build relationships. Why? Because I want people as much as they can to repent that they too might receive forgiveness of sins which is only in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the plan. We are caught up in it. And what is God's plan right now in the world is that people, wherever they are, no matter what nation, what tribe, what language they speak, that they would come to repent and believe in our Lord Jesus Christ so that they too will live forever. That is the plan and you and I are part of it. We are caught up in it. Brothers and sisters, let us be about this proclamation, this mission that we are called. Let us recognize how privileged we are to be part of this work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The message that can enable people to overcome death. Finally, let us look at the power we might feel ill-equipped, and we all do. Sometimes I don't feel like I am equipped for this work. Maybe because I, there are people that might be difficult to speak to. P people that may ask us questions that we may not have the answers to. And sometimes we can let that keep us away from doing this work. We can give excuses can say maybe God will send other people to my colleagues at work. Maybe God will use someone else to speak to my neighbor. But what Jesus says here is so reassuring because he tells the disciples, you know how, how, um, how, how weak they were before. You know how they all ran away when Christ was suffering. They didn't stand up as they had promised like Peter betrayed the Lord but Jesus says look um, verse 49 behold I'm sending the promise of my father upon you but stay in the city until you're clothed with power on, from on high what is Jesus saying here is that you have the power that is coming there is the promise of the father the promise as the father promised in Joel chapter 2 from verse 28 the Holy Spirit that is the promise and it's through the Holy Spirit that the disciples were to receive the power that would enable them to be the witnesses that Jesus wanted them to be. And so Jesus tells them, wait until you're equipped. Wait until you are clothed with power from on high. This, the good news for us is we don't even have to wait. The moment we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, he tells them in chapter 1 that when they believed the, 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 gospel, uh, the, the gospel of truth, the message of truth of the gospel, they were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You and I, if we have faith in our Lord Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit and he's the, he gives us the power that we need 
to be with the witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have everything we need. We just have to walk in obedience, in dependence on the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Spirit. We have God himself living in us. And he promises to use us as long as we are willing to walk in obedience. We will be his witnesses. We'll proclaim his gospel. We will call people to repent and believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. And people will come to faith in him. We have the power. There is, God has given us everything we need to be on mission for him. Praise God that he has given us the Holy Spirit. God himself living in us. God himself taking us as his temple to dwell in us. To give us the words to speak. To lead us. To give us wisdom. We have everything we need through the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God himself. So our Lord is risen. He has approved this. We can have confidence in this. That Jesus is indeed alive. And we are caught up in the plan of God himself from before the foundation of the world. The plan that has been revealed that runs like a, like a thread throughout the entire Old Testament concerning the Messiah, the Messiah. The promised ruler of the cosmos. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to proclaim it. Or we get to participate in it. And we have the power that we need to do that.